0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hustling Grinder Podcast, a podcast for anybody wanting to take their part time hustler and turn it into a full time grinder. I'm Noah Blomberg from Antioch River Forge, and I'm here with uh, Jackson Hartworth from JH Blades and Ryan Croakley from uh, Ryan Chadwick Blades. And we're here to offend your eardrums, talk about knives and work, and generally be flea bags for the next hour or until you say WTF and yank your earbuds out. <clears throat> so, buckle in, strap on, and get ready. Here we go.
1: (laughs) All righty. All righty. So that was uh, pre-recorded, huh?
0: No, I, I, I was thinking about what I wanted to say, and I wanted to make sure I messed up everybody's names as bad as they are messed up by everybody else. And I just want to take the moment to say that my name is Noah Bloomberg, and that is a Swedish name. It is not Jewish, but everybody seems to think it is. Noah Bloomberg, and I am from... Any at River Forge. There's no like hard T necessary there. And I understand. Everybody's going to you know say whatever they want to <laughs> say. And I appreciate the effort that everybody puts in. But it's just any at. There's no hard T. It's just Enneat. There's no Enteat or N T A T. It's just any at. It's, it's simple. No. Just I've, don't put too much effort into I've been
1: mispronouncing it. it the whole time. Yeah, me too.
0: That's okay. <laughs> That's fine. And everybody says your name wrong, whether it's, it's- J.K. Blaze or whether it's Ryan Chadworth knife handles or knife works or whatever they say it's fine
2: brian house likes to say ryan uh what's he say ryan chadborn custom knives yeah ryan coakley knife works yeah and that he calls
0: one too. toby mural tony constantly and i think he does it on purpose now i'm not sure but it's funny so that's fine
1: well so any i i think i say it right by accident any river forge
0: any uh any at whatever
1: any at any, any yeah, I don't put the T in there. Intiot, I, I don't talk that way. So it's like a normal mess up for me, but it turned out good.
0: It's, it's just, it just rolls off the tongue. Anyhow, it's kind of weird because like everything here in Washington State is uh, named after Native American stuff. So, I mean, we got Snohomish, Skycomish, Stillawagmish. I'm messing that one up, I'm sure. Um, but people just have the hardest time uh, getting, getting those things pronounced right. We have a, a town north of me called Chelan and it was on a documentary i was watching the other day and they were calling it shalon it was it was painful to hear
2: <laughs> sounds we like have the same thing here we've got like passa dum keg gunquit <laughs> Penobscot, all sorts of them yeah, we the yeah we, we got oakmegy Ichikani.
1: yeah lots of indian things but anyway this is a show about Knife people doing all kinds of shit that sometimes knives, sometimes not.
2: So what kind of shit you guys been doing this week? Uh, I've been working on a hidden tang buoy. <laughs> How's that going?
0: A buoy? That's outside of your wheelhouse, isn't it? Yeah, big time. Yeah,
2: big time. It's the first one I made. I'm doing the bolster out of wrought iron.
1: Ooh, and, that's
2: uh, awesome. yeah, wrought iron's a lot harder to file out than... Uh, micarta or wood <laughs> yeah i bet I, I probably spent four hours on just the bolster last night while i was heat treating jeez it's so what's that too. for
0: is that for a custom or because he wanted to or what
2: that's for hans molenkamp the um he's the director of monster energy's mma wing
0: so like so mon we're- are we going to talk about MMA for like the next hour then again? <laughs> no, you,
2: had, you asked who the fucking knife was for and I told you. He, uh, Jesse set that up and she, yeah, I go, what kind of knife you want? And he goes, how about a buoy? I'm not going to say no. I said, how about no? I don't make buoys. <laughs> I'm not going to say no. He's <laughs> the director of Monster Energy's MMA wing and he owns a knife company and like all sorts of shit. I'm not going to say no. It's going to be the nicest knife I've ever made in my life.
0: Sweet. Or
2: yeah. I'm going to fuck it up trying.
0: <clears throat> what are you going to make the blade out of?
2: AEBL 316 thick.
1: Jeez. Nice. Yeah, I'm trying to look at your, have you posted anything about it?
2: I've, I've got been the pretty paper shitty. template on the other side of the shop. I can grab it, but the listeners won't be able to see it yeah, I'm it's just more of a it's more of like a modern style buoy. Hold on, I'll grab it so you know what I'm talking about,
1: okay, yeah, I've been kind of shitty on the keeping up with people on the internet. I just haven't had time, man, just to sit around and browse. you know what I mean, yeah, normally uh, when I go poo poo in the mornings, that's when I check out all the all the socials and so- all but Nowadays, it's emails and invoices and, like, business-type stuff, which is awesome, but just not the normal.
2: See, it's not like a traditional buoy, but it's still a buoy. No, but it's badass. Yeah, I like it. The picture he sent me was a traditional buoy and, uh, like, a plain Jane brass guard. You know what I mean? And I was like, hmm, you're kind of a special dude. So I think we'll we'll go with something a little bit more awesome. Yeah, it looks awesome.
0: So in your drawing there, it looked like you had something going on in the blade. Um, but the I'm not going to do that. Mono steel?
2: That That's just one I printed out. Yeah, it's got a hamon on the picture,
1: and that's I'm not going to do a hamon.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, I was kind of wondering if it was sami or something.
0: Just I based think based I'm going to stonewash vision. it, though. Yes, I That'd love cool. stonewash finishes.
1: Yeah. You got a tumbler? or Did you make one or what? I'm, I made
2: one yesterday. Oh, there you go. Look at yep.
0: you, man. Yep. <laughs> I had like, you, uh, did you do the, uh, Brian Cone thing with the,
2: with the casters on a board and you put it yeah. on your work rest. Yep. Sweet. With what? Yep. A PVC pipe. Yep. I wrapped duct tape around. I wrapped like a thin layer of electrical tape in the center. So it would bulge out mm-hmm. and then wrap, wrap duct tape around that. Yeah. If you go like, it goes, go ahead, go ahead. It goes a little too fast on low. Yeah. So, so I don't, I'll have to play with it a bit, but because you want it to tumble, you don't want it to Gravitron right. everything to one, one side of the tube.
0: Right. Then it's not really doing anything. It's just swinging around.
1: Yeah, yeah. If you go like two years back on my Instagram, I made one of those tumblers with a two by six and the casters upside down. I cut the holes in a piece of two by six, just a little bit, but I think I did them like four and a. Four and a half, something like that. And then put the the boards over my pipe and then glued the ends on it so they can't come off. And it keeps it from sliding back and forth. Yeah, I was like the pioneer of that, I like to think. Right after <laughs> I did it. I seen it everywhere, dude. Pirate Forge down in Florida made one and there's a lot of people doing it, but
0: it's coming it it off of you and they don't even know. Yeah,
1: it's date stamped dude. Like I'm two years in on that one. But I don't even use it anymore. <laughs>
2: I didn't. I'm a cheap ass. I didn't go out and buy actual tumbling media. I went out into my yard and I collected a bunch of quarter sized rocks.
1: I used to pee gravel out of a little flower garden we got in the front yard. There was plenty enough for me to fill up that four inch pipe and not miss it. So yeah, I'm not going to go buy rocks. Like got a whole yard full of them. It's supposed
2: to be stone wash, not ceramic wash. Yeah. See, we're doing it right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And I got oh, plenty of rocks out back. For so for on
0: Tumblr media then, I guess.
2: <laughs> Mr. Fancy Pants. Speak, speaking of shops, Noah, your work. So we probably met a year ago, year and a half ago. Yeah, your work in that time has progressed substantially. Like,
0: I appreciate that.
2: Like immensely. Like the work you're putting out these days is awesome. Awesome. and it, And honestly, it doesn't get enough credit. It, it like more people should be shouting out any yeah, at river
1: forge. Yeah. Especially your, like your sand mine shit. That is impressive.
0: Thanks man. Yeah. I love doing the sand, my stuff. I, I just have always liked that look. Um, and I just started doing it with stainless and just cause the one you guys make carbon knives, you know, that most people just don't know how to take care of carbon or they don't yeah know what carbon is. And I'm a ways off from ever being able to do stainless knives. And honestly, I'm not really sure if I really even want to. So I started doing that stainless sandmye just kind of as a next best thing. You know, you got all the protection on the sides of the blades of the stainless, but you've still got that nice hard cutting edge. And uh, people really seem to like it. So, yeah, I I love doing that.
1: So you've got a, a kiln, right?
0: No, no, I, I do all my heat treating in a Ford still.
1: Okay, okay.
0: I got a thermistor that I monitor the temperature with and I can do my heat cycles and everything with that and make sure that I've got my temperatures as close to correct as they can be. And, um, I haven't had any heat treat issues and I've done snap tests and, and all kinds of stuff. And I got just the, the hardness files so Mm -hmm. that I can check. And I haven't had any issues so far. So I think I'm, I will get a kiln. Um, I definitely want to, um, I'm just not sure if the kiln is the next thing I want to buy, honestly. Um, I've been doing so much Damascus and stuff lately. I was really thinking I might want to get a surface grinding attachment for my 2x72 next. So
2: That's my next one. That's I need one, especially doing big batches. You like It would save me hours and hours and hours, I think. Yeah.
0: And what would you use it most for, you think, Ryan?
2: Flattening my blanks out after heat treat or taking off mill scale. Yeah, Shit like that.
0: My biggest thing is I think it would just save me time in between uh, just stacking up billets, being able to just slap it on there and just move it back and forth to clean up my billets before uh, cutting and restacking.
2: Yeah, for sure. Because you've got tons and tons that all get put together. Speaking of Damascus, I had a little boo-boo the other night. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, you did. (laughs) So, So I'm making that thick ass drop point out of uh, Timber Tigers Damascus and it's a really good thing it's 5 sixteenths thick because I was super tired in the shop the other night every bevel I tried to do I was fucking them up I grabbed that blade and I hit it up to like 220 on that one bevel I had done and then I, I re-etched it and I got sidetracked and then I went to bed and I forgot it was in there <laughs> and
0: oh, you left it in the acid
2: overnight. Yeah.
0: Oh, what did it look like?
2: Pretty gnarly, yeah, actually. Like it looked like it had been sitting on the bottom of the ocean for a hundred years.
0: Dang.
2: Yeah, but you had yeah, enough yeah. meat left on the bone to get get that out of there, right? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. It's it's plenty thick enough. Where yeah. I, I ground into it to see how deep it went, and it was probably a sixty fourth deep. It was, I mean, the edge was pretty fucked up and. So I ground into it, and there's plenty of meat left. It's still going to be a knife. But if that stock was eighth-inch thick, it, there would have been nothing left. Wow.
1: I did that with a mini cleaver one time with 16th-inch thick. And the next day it had holes in it, like, all the way through because it was already ground. Like, it was done. It was like my last little edge, and then I'm going to glue up and send it out the door. And same thing, I got sidetracked and forgot all about it.
0: Oops. That's brittle. Yeah. I did that once with uh, some stainless sandmai and it, I didn't leave it overnight, but I for, you know, I forgot about it for a few hours. And when I went back, I mean, <laughs> you could feel the edge between this. I mean, because it doesn't touch the stainless at all. It was just an edge between the stainless and the carbon. You could just catch it with your fingernail. It was so bad. And it, it kind of gave it this weird sort of almost patina texture to the, to the carbon.
1: Was it ruined yeah, or like, was it cool? What's that? Was it ruined?
0: No, no. I uh, I just kind of shaved it down a little bit to kind of match up the sides again. Um, honestly, probably just gave a little bit of food release, to be honest with you. Hmm. But it was a little deeper than I wanted it to be. So I, I cleaned it up, and it was fine. But like I said, that was only a couple hours. It wasn't overnight.
2: Yeah, this is a good solid 12, 16 hours. Before I was, before I was back out here again. And as soon as I walked in the shop, I saw my ferric chloride tube was open and I was like, fuck, oh my God, I know what I did. Jesus Christ. And I ran over and I pulled it out and uh, I panicked a little bit at first and then I ground into it and I was like, all right, it's not that deep. Luckily this stuff's super, super, super thick. Sweet. So I
0: thought that you had that. Did you have another chunk of Damascus or something you were doing?
2: Yeah, it's a raindrop pattern. My brother bought me a big bar of it, but he told me what he paid for it. So I'd, I'm not having any hopes that it's – like it hardens. The One of the – I have a chef knife blank done, and it hardened. So I'm going to grind it. I'm not going to sell it unless somebody actually really wants it and understands I don't know where the steel came from. but. Gotcha. It looks cool.
1: Does he know, good. like, is it claimed to be something in particular? Or is it just like, hey, this is Damascus?
2: 1095 and 15 and 20. Okay. What, in a raindrop pattern. And, it and it, like, the bar was wavy. So, it look, I think they ran it through, like, a press, like a uh, rolling press.
1: Well, you got kind of good odds there if they actually knew, even knew the name of a steel to name it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Other than and it, bumper it hardened, And spare it
0: timer. file
2: tests above 60 Rockwell, so. Oh, that's good.
0: I don't see anything wrong with it then?
2: Yeah. No. Nope. Well, I'll see if there's any D-LAMs when I grind into it, but we'll find out. I just wanted to try Damascus. Do you have, like, a cutoff piece big enough to do a snap test? Oh, I already did a snap test. That was good? Yeah, it had grain, yeah. So I can send it. <laughs>
0: I don't see a reason nice not to. Green.
2: Really? I mean, I heat treat in an oven, so the odds of me overheating it's pretty slim. Yeah. People
0: sell knives made out of reclaimed leaf springs and torsion bars, so a lot. I think it's probably yeah. all right. Yeah, there's yeah, several that's
1: makers. To, that's all they use is leaf springs or
2: bandsaw blades or, you know, just unknown steel. I have a tendency to stray away from uh, mystery metals. I do too. Well,
0: sure, I do too. When I, I've i only sold a couple knives that were out of, you know, reclaimed steel, but I made sure that the people that were buying them knew, hey, this is reclaimed steel, you know, it's a leaf spring or a torsion bar or whatever it was that, you know, is 30-something years old. So just so you know what you're buying.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: People are okay with it.
2: Though I can't say that because
0: that hey, wrought iron is- I'm
2: using for the bolsters probably 150 years old. I dug it out of my yard sweet like for real yeah when we were digging (laughs) out my backyard it was whoever when they separated off my half acre from the rest of the property which is like early 1900s they used it as like a property marker on the corner and over the 122 years or whatever it sank into the ground and we uh, dug it up and i snapped it and it's rot. i etched a piece last night it's gonna look badass
0: That's awesome.
2: Yeah, that is freaking cool as shit.
0: I'd use that to make a knife for myself personally, but yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I got a big old bar of it. It's like one inch square and it was like, I think it was an axle off like in a wagon or something. Yeah, dude, you got to make yourself a knife out of that.
1: That's a good idea, Noah. Something to keep in your own house. You know, it's like historical from your property. Yeah, I sent Todd a piece of it. Cool. I got to put something in the mail for Todd and. About two days. Probably Tuesday morning I'll be putting a box out there with his name on it. So, coming to the end of my list, guys. Gotten some knives done. Sweet. Feeling pretty good about it. Nice.
0: How's your uh, How's your business going, your tractor business?
1: It's It's picking up. It's not booming by any means yet, but it's picking up. It's getting a lot more steady. So, we finally got our tractor back. We were having to rent equipment because ours tore. I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast or not, but um, the clutch went out on ours, finally got it back. So I feel a whole lot better about using my own equipment that I'm familiar with as opposed to going and renting some piece of shit that you don't really know what you're getting. So, sure, yeah. Yeah, you got some stuff lined up. Tomorrow's going to be a big day at my house for the tractor. We got some work to do on it, adding some uh, – rear hydraulic remotes and some new hydraulic cylinders so we can control things in different ways. So that's going to be pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's
0: cool, man. I'm glad your business is working out for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I hope it keeps on. If it keeps going the direction it is now, which is just a little bit up every week, not a big giant jump, but just a little bit, then it's definitely going to be good. But
0: is that it's- gonna still leave you time to be working on knives and stuff. Once it does get,
1: picked up yeah it's gonna leave me time to do what i want in my knife shop you know what i mean and that's gonna what i'm trying to do is finish these orders which i'm almost done with and then i'm gonna draw something up and i'll be excited about it again you know i'll get off work i'll be on the tractor 10 hours and i'll be pumped up ready to get out there so i can work on this part of it or that part of it and if it takes two months for one knife so what you know it'll be as perfect as i can absolutely get it by the time i get it done
0: That's awesome, man. Yeah.
1: So if you've been waiting on a knife from me, it's because I've been dragging ass and had other things to do and trying not to force it out the door. You know what I mean? Most of the knives that I've, that I'm sending out this week, I could have finished two weeks ago, but I'd have half asked them, you know, I just, I ain't going to do that.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I do the same thing, man. I had a chef knife. Um, one that I think I posted it like last week or something. Um, it was Damascus chef and I'd been working on that thing for three months. It's yeah. Like I could have, you know, I, I, actually, it was actually even the second one that I forged out, I forged out my in, initial one and I decided I didn't like the pattern on it. And I told the customer and the customer was like, well, I think that one's cool. It's was like, but if you really want to do it again, go ahead. And I was like, yeah, I want to do it again. I don't, I don't like that one. So forged out another one. And I, I made some uh, segmented scales for the handle and everything. And, and that was something that wasn't in the initial bid, I guess. But, right. You know, just what I wanted to do. And that's the thing about, you know, not being a full time knife maker that you can do is you can make it to the point where you're happy with it, not necessarily where the customer's happy with it. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, of course, you know, like, and this gets talked about a lot, you know, how. Knife makers are unhappy with something they put out, and it's like, well, the customer's not going to notice that, but I'm going to notice it, so I'm going to fix it. And and that's that's what I'm all about, is because I want. I mean i I have a full time job. I don't need to make knives, so I make knives for myself. And if other people like them and want to buy them, that's great, you know. But I'm learning. I'm progressing and, and I I want to put out stuff that I like. So,
1: yeah. And that's where I'm trying to get back to, you know, I went full time, but I did it out of necessity. You know what I mean? I had to. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: And then I took all these orders and then stopped getting orders and, you know, life changes. But, um, yeah, I'm excited about getting back to building what I want. Ryan, when are you going full time, dude? Like you've got so many orders. You're, your grinds are like changing the game. I hear all what? kind of people talking oh, about your shit. Change, changing the game. I'm telling Come you. On. Hey, who was it that was <laughs> on here last week? Uh, Micah Dunn. He was talking about you know being kind of inspired from seeing your patterns and him trying them. You got shouted out on that WFI podcast last week about your grinds. I'm telling you, man. I've been telling you yeah. for a
2: long time that shit. Somebody's going to notice that, and it's going to blow up. I don't know if my sales are there yet. I haven't gotten any in in the last week, two weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like I opened my books and I got a bunch right off the bat, but I haven't gotten anything in since then. And that scares me. You know what I mean? Like to make all my bills and be comfortable, I have to sell three chef knives a week. Yeah. So, and I'm not there yet. I'm probably selling, I don't know. It comes in spurts. It's weird. It does. I'll get like four in a day. And then I won't get any, like, and usually it comes after I post a finished one. So I notice that, like, I'll post a finished one, and then I'll get, like, boom, boom, boom. And then it'll take me, you know, however long to finish the next one. And then it'll go boom, boom. And then maybe I'll wait a month before I get another order. Uh, It's almost September. Here comes Christmas
1: season. I'm hoping the website will help that. Are you going to kind of just do a whole bunch and put them out as available for, kind of for Christmas. Or are you going to take Christmas orders? Because that brush that uh, is coming up within the next month and a half,
2: two months or so. That's going to start. I know. I got, I'm going to try and do both. It's so. I don't know if it's just me, but it's so hard to build up an inventory. Fuck yeah, it is. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've like, tried for the past five gone, years. Boom, gone, boom, gone. And so that scares me also. Like maybe I'm just not fast enough.
0: <clears throat> yeah. yeah, I'm the same way, dude. I, I actually, I've had some knives up for sale on my website for the first time in just the last couple of months I got them up there. And then all of a sudden sales just kind of dropped off. And and so I'm kind of in the same boat as you. It's like, well, yeah, you could go full-time. I've never really wanted to go full-time, so that's not really a thing for me. But the other thing I think about with guys that are thinking about going full-time is the amount of time that you're spending at your day job – is the amount of time that you would be spending self-promoting. And every time you put your work out there and every time you post what you're working on or post and finish products, I mean, that's that's like you're saying, that's when you get your jumps and sales and stuff. And all the time that you spend at your day job is time that you're going to be then doing that. So you are going to get more orders. You are going to get more recognition if you've got that time to devote to it.
2: Yeah, I the ultimate goal, uh, other than Joe Rogan wanting one of my knives, the ultimate goal is to do it full time. There's nothing more enjoyable for me. If I know like the night before when I'm going to bed, that all I have to do tomorrow is wake up and make shit in the shop, you know, doesn't even have to be knives. Like I've got other projects I work on and other shit on the side, but like working at home for me is so much more like I'm less stressed. I'm happier. You know what I mean? Other than like the money factor, but like for a day job, I've been busting ass for almost 40 years now. You know, it's like fucking a man, (laughs) you know, waking up at 5am to go turn wrenches or flip burgers or build houses or any of the things that I've done and not, See the fruits of that labor; Mm -hmm. it wears on you, and you get over it. The older you get, I think. On the other hand, I've worked with some like seventy-year-olds who wash dishes, and they were like happy as a clam. I I don't know; maybe it must just be me. But no, it's not just you for sure. I I think the same thing a lot because
1: I've been—you know—I've done a lot of different jobs. It's always been construction-related, you know usually at home type stuff i've done heating and air you know running service calls i've done stuff for Lowe's, you know contracting there installing things it's always kind of been out and about i've never really worked in the same building all day but every time i do one of those jobs for an extended period of time i get to thinking about it like man what's next you know you kind of max out at what you're doing and it, it can kind of get you down a little bit when you start thinking about you know what's next and Shit,
2: like you said, we're almost 40. Yeah. And, uh, like, how much time is left? Yeah. You know, how many years do guys like us who are in their mid 30s, almost 40, have to really grind it out? You know what I mean? Like, how much longer can our bodies take it? 20 yep. years, 25 years? That's not that much time to get to the finish line. Yeah. You know, I'm a mechanic.
0: And, Tell me about it. Yeah.
2: So <laughs> I'm a mechanic too. It, you know, it's, Yeah, and and like you get to a point where you aren't where you want to be and the clock is ticking. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's why I had a clock tattooed on my hand. That was a big jump for me, getting my hand tattooed, because when people see hand tattoos, they're like, oh, you're a fucking piece of shit. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like You get that visual judgment. Yeah, I got mine done. But I wanted it somewhere where I would I see it every you for
0: day. A hand tattoo for sure.
2: Yeah, uh-huh. Thanks, man. But you know, I wanted it right there, so I would see it every day, and I would not. There is no possible way I could forget that time is running out, and that's kind of why I got into knives too. And like, I had a coworker who died on his lunch break. Jeez. Like we, like fucking five minutes earlier, dude. I am having a conversation with him, just like me and you are now. He's like, "All right, I am going to grab food." He made it about a quarter mile from the shop, pulled into the parking lot of the fire station, and died of a heart attack right there in their parking lot. Son bitch. Yeah. So we get a call. Like, John didn't come back. It's been an hour. We're like, what the fuck? So we get a call from the Brewer Police. They talk to my boss's dad, who is the original owner, and then he's retired, but he was in the shop that day. And uh, he picks up the phone, talks to the cops, hangs up the phone, looks at me and Chancey, and goes, "John's dead." We're like trying to process this shit. You know, when you work in a small environment, there's only five of us, so like we work, we spend more time with each other than we do our families sometimes. Yeah. And Chancey and I are just staring at each other, and we're trying to process this. And Reggie looks at us both, and he goes, "Well, people die. Get back to work." No way. Fucking shit, you not, dude. In that moment, what a dick. Something, something changed in me. In that in that very moment, I was like, I can't be forgotten like that. Yeah, you know what I mean. And if you make knives, and your name is on that knife, that every knife you make is going to last longer than you. Yeah. And every every knife you make almost seals your immortality. Like you're not immortal. You're going to die. But when people forget your name, that's when you're really dead. And that scared the fuck out of me that day. Like I was talking to him like five minutes earlier, dude. And like my boss, they acted like they cared about us. But in that moment, I knew that that was, it was an act. It had to be an act. How can you say that shit? So that, that was when knife making for me really took off. I I finished my revolution. I finished my first oven I started planning out how I was going to have a shop, and I've taken it this far, so far. John's still the screensaver on my phone. <laughs> that's the guy that died on his lunch break? Yeah, yeah, that's the lock screen on my phone. Fuck.
1: Well, that's that's motivation, really, you know? He looks like uh, old Brownie with a beard.
0: So did you get that clock tattoo before or after that? After. Gotcha.
2: After. Yeah, it was weird. It was uh, like I obviously we've all we're old enough now, we've all known people that died, but I had never been talking to somebody literally like their heart was getting ready to explode while we were having a conversation. You know. Yeah,
1: that's crazy, dude. I sold a knife to a guy one time and uh this is this is nuts. There's only been three people that's ever came to my shop to pick up a knife. And all three of them died within a week after coming to my shop to pick up a knife. One of them died the same night. That's fucked up. Yeah. It's just like cursed or something. One you don't of let
0: them, anybody else pick up knives now, do you?
1: Absolutely motherfucking not. Like, I'll meet them down the road at the grocery store or parking lot, but they ain't coming to my shop. Yeah, one guy, he came to pick up a knife, and um, he had bought a couple from me. And when he got there, he didn't seem quite right. He was an old stoner, hippie dude. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe the edibles just hit different today or something. But he turned around to walk back up out of the, you know, from the shop back up the hill. And I looked at him. I'm like, man, he don't look good. Like, something's weird. And they said that he went home and told his wife he was going to take a nap. He had a headache. And within two hours of leaving my house, he was dead. Damn. Yeah. I was like, fuck, dude. Like, what if I would have said something? Like, hey, man, are you all right? you know, would I have known to call somebody or what? You know what I mean? Probably not, but it makes you think that shit could happen at any point in time.
2: When I was a manager for Ruby Tuesdays, it was, I was in the kitchen and then the front of house manager was out front and uh, she comes out back and she's just like hysterical. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong? And apparently this old couple had gone in they're having like soup and salad, nice little meal the husband put his head down and died sitting right there in the restaurant in the restaurant having a meal with his wife his wife was totally calm she was like oh it'll be my turn soon too and like they were in their 80s you know what i mean they were old and uh yeah crazy crazy paramedics came took the body yeah people were still eating their fucking food like tables around him. Everybody's still just fucking eating a <laughs> fucking dead guy right there. I think I had, had to cash t- out t- taking out a dead body. Nobody missed a bite. Dude. Like what kind of world are we living in? Right.
0: So oh. not that talk isn't like the greatest thing ever, but, uh, <laughs> if, maybe, uh, y'all want to talk about something else. I don't know. Okay, so here, Uh, <laughs> Um, so just as a way of making conversation here, what kind of, uh, you guys listen to music in the shop? Like what kind of music do you listen to in the shop when you're making knives?
2: I can't not listen to music or podcasts. I have to listen to something. Um, Absolutely. I mix it up, man. It's weird. Cause when I was younger, I hated rap, but the older I get, the more I like rap. I don't understand it.
0: Like what kind of rap?
2: Like uh jelly roll, Chris Webby. Mercury, Snack the Ripper, um, I think his name's Echo, E K O H is how you spell it. Uh, he's pretty good. But then I like like uh, bluegrassy type shit, like Poor Man's Poison, uh, Tyler Childers, Coulter Wall, stuff like that.
0: Right on. Yeah, I like bluegrass. I like I like bluegrass and I like old country. Um, I'm not. I don't like new country. Um, I've never really been too much into rap, so I don't, uh, I don't know many of the people you're talking about there. I do like some older rap, you know, I'll listen to some nineties rap here and there. Um, I listen to a lot of metal music, uh metal core, that sort of thing. Um, it just feels appropriate when you're working with metal to be listening to metal.
2: I guess. Yeah.
0: It just, it just works.
2: I mean, uh, our interactions with metal are different. You're smashing hot metal and I'm trying to grind metal into art functional point. functional art, you know what I mean? So, like, I look for music that gets me into that flow state.
0: You All know, right, where okay. You... Well, there's a good segue. All right, so there's different schools of thought as to how art relates to knife making and whether knife making is art or could be considered art. And as soon as I started making knives, I started considering whether or not I was an artist and eventually decided that I was because I was expressing myself in what I was making because um, I've always been really big into music and this kind of ties in as well. Um, I've always, I mean, I've played guitar, I've I've written music, um, I constantly listen to music. And so that was always a really great way of expressing myself was writing music and stuff. And so making knives obviously is a lot different, but it's, it's pretty similar in the same way. So whenever I'm making a knife, when I'm designing it or anything like that, I, I have a way in my head of how I'm expressing myself through the way that I'm making it. So you just said, you consider yourself to be making functional art. In what way do you see yourself expressing, you know, what, what is your expression? What is, what, what is it that you're putting into that that piece of art when you're making it.
2: I I would say it's the whole process. I mean, it's so easy for us to destroy it within a second. You know, you make one wrong move on the grinder and you've got a divot that just changed the whole profile of your entire knife. Um, But for me, like it's like that uh, audio track that's on some of the reels where it's the girl. And she says the only thing that makes an artist an artist is a desire to create, everything around that is a skill that we've learned over time. So like for me, it doesn't matter if you're a painter, a tattoo artist, um, a guitar player, any musician, um, a knife maker, blacksmith, even carpenters. Um, We're using the skills we have to create, and that's what the art is. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we're creating something out of scratch. So even if we're modeling like another maker's knife or a knife that's been made in the past, it's never going to be identical. It's always going to have our little imprint on it. You know what I mean? Like we all do handles differently. Even when we're mimicking other makers styles, our handles still look different. You don't, they don't, there's never going to be a way that you can make them identical without having one sitting right there. And you're measuring with a fucking caliper and you're like, I got to take half a millimeter off this side. And then, you know what I mean? So for me, the art is just the act of creating and knives, they just, I don't know. It was always there. I've always loved knives. It's always been something. And then the imper- the permanence of knives, like I said a little while ago, um, is what really drew me into it like the art of making knives.
0: I like that. I like the way that you're saying that. So Jason, did you hear any of that?
1: I missed it. Fill me in. All
0: right. So we're talking about, we're talking about art and expression and how that relates to knives, how some people will, um, make knives and not necessarily consider themselves to be an artist and other people do. Um, do you, when you're making knives, consider yourself to be creating functional art. And if so, what is the expression that you're putting into that? And where do you find the, the art in what you're doing?
1: Ooh, what a question. Um, I kind of feel artsy a little bit when I'm, I don't use templates. Well, let me take that back. I don't print out Google templates. I draw all of my knives on paper, you know, before I start. So during that process, when I'm, I got the ruler out and the sketchbook and the pencils and erasers and all that feels a little artsy, you know, cause I'm drawing. But then once it gets to the steel, like putting the template on the steel and cutting out the blank, that doesn't really feel very artsy at all. You know, it feels very mechanical, I guess you'd say. But then once it gets back into the handle process, then it starts to feel a little artsy again because you know you you buy the wood that's pretty already right it's stabilized, it's dyed, it's whatever it's already pretty, but it's a block it's it's ugly, you know once we sculpt it or sand it or buff it or whatever it takes to get the finish we want, that's an artistic process I think so i mean i I guess part of it is artsy, but once it's done, I don't think I would personally consider it art. I think it's more of a tool.
0: Interesting. Okay. We
2: for got me, two sides of the coin here.
0: Yeah, no, I, I like that you guys had different answers. That was cool. <laughs> so for me, I, I'm i with you, Jason, as far as like the handles concerned. <coughs> like I, I, I find my mo- the most expression that I have is in the handle. Obviously, the thing as a whole um, is something that I've created, and so it, that is an act of – creativity um but i you know i make a chef knife i make a a hunter you know they're all pretty similar but that uh the the shaping of the handle is where i get the most i think i i feel like i'm i'm creating more often than if i'm doing something else and i can't remember who it was that said it i want to say it was um I'm going to sound like a moron here if I'm saying the wrong name, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> I think it was Michelangelo who um, has those, you know, does did those incredible stone carvings where you've got these figurines and it's literally, it, it's stone that's carved and it looks like actual clothing. You know, it yeah. looks like you can see the wrinkles and the folds in it and everything. And he said, um, the the statue is already in the block of marble. I just have to take away all the pieces that don't belong there. And if if, if I got the the person wrong, somebody can DM me and tell me that I'm a moron and, I, and it was somebody else that said it, that's fine. Um, but like That, that happens that a lot on
2: together. this show, don't worry about it. What's, <laughs> it. What's that? I said that happens a lot on this show, don't worry about Perfect.
0: it. Perfect, all right. But anyways, so that, that's sort of something that I've always is stuck in my brain, and so that's something that I think about when I'm, when I'm sculpting a handle or when I'm, you know, if, if I'm finishing to shape a blade uh, on the grinder after I forge it out or something, you know, like the shape of the knife, what it's supposed to be is already there. I just have to take away the pieces that don't belong to make it what it needs to be. And, and I love that. Cause like you were saying with the the handle, I mean, it's just a block of wood, like, or block of handle scales that you glue onto it. You know, you, you have to take away what doesn't need to be there so that it can be the way that it was intended to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, I definitely identify with you on that.
1: Getting deep on the hustling ground podcast today. All Talking artistic about and, death and art, right? I feel like I need one of those little funny hats and a
2: cigarette with a cappuccino. <laughs> why don't we why don't we brighten it up and go uh, right into the Maritime Knife Supply Patreon Spotlight? Good call. This is the Patreon Spotlight, brought to
1: you by Maritime Knife Supply. They're your one-stop shop. Everybody knows for anything that you need to make a knife. Anything. They got it. They got tools. They got steel. They got handle material. They got anything you need if you're making a knife you need pieces or parts or tools or whatever they got it so if you're just getting started and you need everything go see lawrence at maritime knife supply you can get it all from one spot show up in the same box all of a sudden there's a knife shop right there on your front porch so we're going to read out the patreons and then we're going to talk about one of these special fellows here donnie Dulevich, knife material Aru Blade Works, our short, fat friend, Brigham Kendall, Mark LeBlanc, Mark Vanderwerf, Beck's Armory, is Richard Beck, Todd Harrington, Dennis Tyrell, Trucks Claire Custom Cutlery, Zachary Sowell, Maritime Knife Supply, the man, Driver Defense Knives, Noah Bloomberg, whoop, whoop, crafty uh. man for <laughs> Brian Henningcamp at T- Tortuga Blade Works. Jared at Echo Blades Eric Andrews at Sourwood Creations Brimner Built Knives Snake Branch Knives Works Knife Works and Darren at Stormlight Forge so of course I still have not wrote these down on paper so we're going to go to the random.orgie thingy 1 through 21 number 19 let's see who that is 19 Brimner built knives. Didn't we already do Brimner on a spotlight? We did. He was the first one. Let's redo that. We love Sorry, you, Brimner. Brimner. We love you, buddy. But we're uh, we're gonna at least get through the majority before we start the redoes.
2: Yeah, we did hit us on the Andrea DeLeon episode. Okay. All right.
1: Shit! Now I got to go back to the random and find the list. Here at uh, the Hustle and Grind podcast, we have never once claimed to be professionals. We got a professional operation going. That's right.
0: A bunch of flea bags.
1: Yep, flea bag fucking podcasters. Can't trust these guys. Do, 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 do. One through twenty-one. Number six. Who that? One, two, three, four, five, six. Mark Vanderwerf. Imagine that. Everybody knows Mark Vanderwerf. Like everybody.
2: Everybody. So He's
1: everywhere. Yeah, which uh which one of his 17 fucking Instagram pages are we gonna
2: look up? <laughs> How about everybody
0: go to a different one
2: right let's go to uh mark underscore one one eight blades yeah i'm at
1: one one eight blades so uh i don't even know if we're on the same one but that's all right he's got 996 followers okay so i don't know what he's doing with all these different pages he's got 2612 on the page i'm looking at it's just one one eight blades Mark, uh, fill us in on why you got so damn many different ones for the same thing.
2: Uh, I'm on, like, a TR Maker page.
1: Yeah, well, he is a, a distributor for TR Maker. So, what I'm seeing is a lot of TR Maker parts. Um, if you're over there in the U.K., you need something from TR Maker. Mark's the guy to go see for that. Um,
2: got a picture of him chilling in his lorry. Yep, yep. Got that one. There's Mark... Where's Mark Ben? I haven't seen him around the, the Graham in a while. I haven't either, but,
1: you know, I also haven't been on it as much as I used to. But, uh, is that Mark drinking a beer in his, in his truck? Yeah. Uh, Foster's
2: Australian for beer. Yeah. So he's got, he's a TR maker distributor. He's also, he designed the Vander Sander mm-hmm. that, that Richard Beck carries, um, which is on my list of things I need. Um, but, yeah. He's and also he's a knife maker. Around, yeah, he's just an all-around badass dude. Yeah, he's awesome.
1: He uh, he does a lot with weird shit, you know, like casting handles onto the blade and eyeballs and just off-the-wall stuff that he dreams up and tries to make it work. Usually does a pretty damn good job with it. So go and give Mark Vanderwerf a follow. It might be a week or two before he uh, notices because he's got some of the worst Internet service I've ever seen personally but <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jesus man <laughs> he's got a bunch of pages too he's got 118 Blades Mark underscore 118 Blades and then he's got what's his website uh, he's got one that's uh like uh, I'm all
1: the way wrong but it's like Magnolia Hills or something weird I got on somebody's yet. live one time and he said something to me he was like hey gorgeous I was like who the fuck is this <laughs> And he's like, "Really, you don't know?" I said, "You better have titties." I had no idea who it was. Never even heard that name before. So uh, he's, yeah.
0: he's a pretty cool guy. He's all over the place too. You know, he's always you know he's supporting the community and he's comment on people's stuff and being helpful and whatnot. So yeah, he's a pretty cool guy.
1: Yeah, definitely a good guy.
0: I've talked with him a few times, but yeah, I don't understand why he has so many different accounts.
1: It is <laughs> weird, ain't it? <laughs>
0: Like, oh, yeah, that's confusing
1: as hell. I bet he just forgot his password and he's like, ah, oh, fuck it. Time to make a new one.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, guys, don't forget about Lawrence over at Maritime Knife Supply. They are the sponsored for the show. And if you go order something from them, it's not going to save you any money because you heard it here, but you can let them know that you heard it here. Help us out a little bit. And uh, if you're in the U.S., you can save some money with that exchange rate, too. Yep.
0: Yep. And nobody forget that Lawrence is one of those people that when you fill up your cart and it tells you that it's gonna be eighty dollars for shipping, anything that it doesn't cost him to actually ship, he's gonna refund you. Mm-hmm. So when I made my order, I think the shipping said it was gonna be like eighty bucks in shipping, I sent through my order and I got refunded like forty bucks or something like that. So
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: Keep that in mind when you guys are ordering from places like that. Um, Pops is another one that does that. You'll look up the shipping, and it'll be some ridiculous number, and they actually do refund you what they don't spend on shipping. So that's really cool that Lawrence does that.
1: Speaking of Pops and kind of going along with the pretext of our show up to this point, some sad news over there this week. Mr., uh, Mr. Poplin, original Pops himself, passed away this week. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, uh, big old condolences out there to those guys. I know that I don't think any of them were actually related, but it was like a, a a big real family over there, you know, all those guys. So, keep them in your thoughts and whatnot throughout the week. They're going to probably have a pretty rough week.
2: Yeah, that sucks. Yeah.
1: So, uh, yep, moving on. No more of that, that sad <laughs> shit. Golly, man. I go home and smoke some chicken tonight. What are you guys having for dinner? Uh, I have no idea. I figured you'd say tacos.
2: No, we haven't had tacos in a while. Maybe it's time.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what time is it where you are, Noah? You're probably getting ready for lunch, huh?
0: Uh, it is 2.20 in the afternoon right now.
1: Yeah, it's about lunchtime.
0: So Yeah, I had a little bit of a snack before the show. I had to recover. I was forging. I didn't get Ryan's message for quite a while there because I was out in the forge forging out a big old Damascus billet for a custom that I got coming up.
1: Yeah, and- Ryan texted me to confirm 4 o'clock and it was like a long ass time until I seen it because I was on the, on the mower cutting grass. And he takes the back like, what's up? Uh, did you see this? Are we good? <laughs> but Ryan's got to keep tabs on me, dude, because there's been several times on a Sunday at like Two o'clock, three o'clock. He's like, We still good for four o'clock. I'm like, Oh fuck. That's today.
0: <laughs> I've been waiting. I had I had it written down. I knew I knew that I wasn't gonna forget it, but yeah, I like I was telling you earlier, I haven't had that much time to be out in the out in the shop and it was finally under ninety degrees, so I went out and did some some forging and I'm getting down to the end of my list too so i'm kind of excited for that which is good because it's hunting season coming up here soon
1: yeah i think uh, hunting season here starts in like seven days next weekend it starts for bow season
0: yep bow season starts september 1st here so i am wildly unprepared and i've been just trying to catch up on all my knife stuff so that i can take some time off to go do some hunting
1: oh yeah you do any hunting ryan no i don't like killing shit that's right we've went over that before it's different though yeah. It's different when you're feeding your
2: family, you know? I feed my family at the grocery store.
0: Have you seen the cost of meat recently?
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. But I mean, if it came down to it, don't get me wrong, I'd eat my fucking dog before I'd let my wife starve to death.
0: Whoa, whoa,
2: whoa. <laughs> you love your dog. Well, at least he didn't say he'd eat his wife before he let his dog starve.
0: That's kind of what I expected.
2: Oh. <laughs>
0: yeah. He talks about his dog sometimes.
2: Yeah, no, I love my dogs. Even though one got sprayed by a skunk the other night. <laughs> I oh, saw that. Fucking bitch. Her face still smells.
0: Oh, that's terrible. Dude, you're supposed to put, like, like, tomato like soup on it, back right? In
2: my house, you walk out, like, a sliding door from my kitchen, and you're on this, like, covered porch sunroom type thing that's on stilts. And... She, we went out, it was after dark and she like poked her head under the, under the thing. And I said, Hey, get out of there. And she looked at me and then like her nose caught something. She realized something was under there and she walked back under and not 10 seconds later, I hear and like a little bit of like rustling (laughs) going on. She, She comes out drooling. Like it got her right in the snout. Uh, she came out drooling like I'm like oh no you fucking didn't she got near me and instantly I was like uh, uh." it smelled so bad (laughs) the whole house stunk for like three days are skunks a big problem up there oh yeah they're everywhere here I've
1: seen like maybe two or three my whole life down here fucking people keep them
2: as pets here oh wow yeah, there's gotta be a way to they they make like a friendly pet well, I'll be that's down. That's kind of strange. That is strange. Yeah. Well, you can't, like, go seize a wild one. You can't, like, trap a full-grown mama skunk, cut her, like, stinky parts out, <laughs> and then ex- and then expect her to <laughs> like you. But, like, people find, like, baby ones that have been abandoned by the mom or whatever, and if you raise them up, they'll, they're like a cat.
1: Yeah, there's a, a couple hillbillies around here that's got possums and raccoons for pets, but. It's still a wild animal. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I can kind of understand the possum because they can't get rabies. Something in their DNA or something. They just can't get it. But raccoons definitely can. And I don't want it.
2: Yep. But, yep, no hunting for me. It's just not my thing. I feel guilty, man. Like, especially if I didn't have a clean kill. Yeah. Like, my old boss bow hunts, and he shot a deer up the ass one time with an arrow because it, like, jumped right when he shot. And it was, like, kicking and screaming, and I'd feel terrible.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a difference between a hunter and an ethical hunter. Like, if you don't have a clean, confident kill shot, you just don't take the shot at all.
0: Yeah, and like you were saying, right? accidents do happen like that, and it does suck for sure. My buddy had one of those last year where he, he shot it, and it hit it in the spine just hit a little high and so it just took out its back legs and it was still hobbling around and it sucked yeah it's not uh it's definitely not what you want so yeah you always go for the cleanest kill you can make and uh yeah yeah I mean, is what it is i mean the, the reality of the situation is is that you shooting an animal with an arrow is gonna be a lot cleaner kill than if a bear gets a hold of it or if it gets smashed by a car or something like that. So that's yeah. the way I look at it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't personally I bow road. hunt,
2: but rifle season comes eat. in. I'll be there. Yeah. I want to eat roadkill. I've got some buddies who, uh, they see a deer on the side of the road. They get all fucking happy faced. I'm like, you fucking nasty bastards. Mm-hmm. And I pull over you fast and
0: you'd believe. Oh, I, I don't. Uh, so they just, those last, is it last year is the year before last, they actually made it legal to where you could salvage up until that point. It wasn't legal. You just had to leave it there and rot on the side of the road. And, uh, as soon as they passed that law, I got, um, buddies who were EMTs and police officers and fire. And so they'll shoot me a call or a text when one gets hit nearby, when it's just sit on the side of the road and I'll go and grab it. Cause I can't stand to see it go to waste, you know? and And that's, part of being an, uh, you know, an ethical hunter or whatever. And I just, why, why let it rot? You know, if it's something that's been there and yeah. I don't know how long it's sat there, especially if it's like in the summertime and whatnot, I'm not going there. But if, if I get a text or a call from somebody that says, Hey, this was hit at this time, you know, then I know what I'm dealing with. I'm going to go salvage it. I'm not going to let it go sit there and go to waste. Yeah. It's
2: you know, yeah. a little different. He, uh, he doesn't get no phone calls. He just like stumbles across a deer on the side of the road. And he's like,
0: give it the smell test.
2: Yeah. gives it the smell test. Pokes it in the belly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. man. Oh.
0: He yeah, brought a, I don't think I'd do that.
2: <clears throat> he brought a deer on, he found one on the side of the road on his way to work one day. He's like, Oh, check out this dough. I got in the back of the truck. He goes, I think it's a little bloated. Oh no. So we, we go out and look and I'm like, dude, that ain't bloated, man. That thing's pregnant. He's like no fucking way. So he takes it home, goes to dress it. Sure enough, there are two almost fully grown fawns in its belly. Oh Oh, man, yeah. He still ate the mom though. Yeah, I mean, no reason not to if it's already there, you know. Knowing him, I'm surprised he didn't eat the babies. That'd be tender as fuck. He didn't eat. Yeah, (laughs) he didn't eat them. I know where they ended up. Like little backstrap fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've got another buddy who he knows that is into dead things, and so they they ended up in jars, big monstrous jars filled with denatured alcohol. Awesome, yeah. That's the guys conversation
0: got, we've had today,
2: yeah, yeah isn't it yeah. weird? I don't know how it's turned out this way. It's just how it goes. But I called him actually. I pranked him because we none of us ever call each other. It's always through like Facebook Messenger. So I called his cell phone from my cell phone and I was like, I know what you did to those baby deer, you son of a bitch. And I was like, fuck, he's freaking out. He's like, who the fuck is this? I'm gonna beat the shit out of you. Andrew, I know it's you, motherfucker. And he's freaking out and I'm like, the poor little fucking deer. (laughs) I was just (laughs) messing with him so hard. He was like in tears, about to like clean out his freezer at his house. Because he's like, because in messing with them, I'm like the game wardens are on their way to your house right now. And here in Maine, I don't know how it is other places when you shoot a deer legally and you have it processed, they date and stamp and everything, the packages. So a game warden, so they can trace it. So a game warden can come in your house and be like, you've got a whole moose in here that you didn't have a permit to shoot. None of it's stamped. If that makes sense, yeah. Right. So, so being a guy that collects roadkill off the side of the road, he's got shitloads of meat that doesn't have stamps on it. Oh,
0: uh, uh, here, here in Washington, whenever you salvage an animal, you just go on the website and you print out basically a, a, a salvage permit, and you just keep that with the meat.
1: We don't have any of that yeah. here. Like we, we shoot them, and I mean, you got to tag them, you know. Yeah. But you, you get a certain amount of tags per year. But we take ours home and we process it ourselves.
0: Yeah, that's what I do. I process my own.
1: Yeah. I mean, hell, when we bring a deer in, that's like a whole family event. You know, we're scanning and processing and bleeding out and grinding. And we eat deer meat probably, I'd say, no less than three times a week, year round. You know, and that's free meat. It's a little bit of work getting ready for the season, but.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping to get another elk this year. I got an elk two years ago, and that was a lot of meat for a long time. And it's good eating.
2: I want to try some elk. I never had it.
0: It's better than beef.
2: That's what I've been told. I want to try it. I've eaten bear, moose, deer. I mean, anything you can shoot here and eat it. I've tried. Um, we don't have elk. And I'm a big Joe Rogan fan. He always <laughs> eats elk. <laughs> well, you got to eat the heart, right? Yeah. Uh, he, or he the elk well tongue how tacos. He cooks it. Holy fuck! Yeah.
0: You don't need to burn it. That meat's so good. You just you just sear it real quick.
2: Yeah, just warm it up.
0: Yep. I'm just kidding. I don't eat them blue. I like I like it a good medium rare.
2: Yeah. Medium rare is okay. Blue rare, not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Alright. There's another term for it too. Uh oh, I still can't dead. But, sushi. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Sushi. Pretty much like meat sushi. Todd'll message me later on Tuesday yeah. and be like the other term is this. Yeah. Well, I always send I know we got to wrap it up, but I always send <laughs> Todd like these like uh these cooking videos where they put like a steak in a pan and then pour raw macaroni on it and then sprinkle oh, macaroni <laughs> cheese sauce and shit on it and he's like what the fuck, man? <laughs> I'm like what that doesn't look good, bud?
1: Yeah, he he is a professional. He probably that probably makes his skin crawl when he sees some bullshit like that. I'm sure it
0: does (laughs) real quick before we wrap up.
1: Yeah. You're wrapping us out, right? You brought us in.
0: (laughs) Why not? Well, Hey, uh, flying shark knives is doing a fundraiser for Tommy over at crooked river forge. And there are some incredible, incredible prizes that people have donated. I donated a knife. Um, I know Ben Butler donated an apron and there's some other cool guys that I haven't even heard of before. I just started following that have made some just crazy blades some other stuff um, there was a pen that was hand turned that was really cool um, so go to Flying Shark Knives um, Sharky's doing $10 a piece for these like raffle tickets to, to fundraise for Tommy um, if you don't know Tommy at Crook River Forge was diagnosed uh, with terminal cancer so mm-hmm. anything we can do to help out his family is what we want to do so anybody listening to the podcast um, that wants to help out please do flying shark knives. And I mean, there's some crazy cool stuff that you could, uh, you could win. Yeah. yeah.
1: Tommy's one hell of a good guy too.
2: Yeah. You gotta have a lot of respect for a guy who doesn't just curl up and take it too. He's still working in his shop and putting shit out. And like, that's so impressive. Yeah. He's a badass for sure.
0: Absolutely. He's still going after it. That's pretty awesome. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Cool. Well, there, we go. Take us out of here, Noah.
0: All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Hustle and Grind podcast once again. I'm Noah from NI River Forge. been a lot of fun. Thanks, guys, for having me on here. Jason from JK Blades and Ryan Coakley from Ryan Chadbourne Knife Works. It's been an honor.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for joining us, sir. We appreciate it. You know what? Ben, it's been a good one. There was yes. a good one.
2: That's what
1: I'm talking about. All right, guys. Keep on hustling and keep on grinding. Bye. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. (laughs)